0: Father, we just thank you. God, it is by your spirit. It's not by power. It's not by might. It's by the spirit of the Most High God. And so, Lord God, every single man here, every single woman, every married couple, Father, Father, just put them under your care that you alone can do what men cannot do. You alone can speak to them to make the changes that need to be made. And Father, we thank you because we believe it will be so. Because we've prayed in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. This morning, my assignment is just to really have a family conversation. You know, when I talk about preaching and all of that, I really want to talk to us today as a family. Because this is a family here. And I just basically titled it, A Second Touch. A Second Touch. And as I was preparing for this message, my prayer was really... For the Holy Spirit to come in and do what we cannot do on our our own. Because the anointing of the Holy Spirit is what lifts every burden and is what breaks every yoke. You can try as hard as you can in some things in your life. But the minute you yield to the Holy Spirit, that thing you've tried so hard to do just becomes easy. And so that has been my prayer throughout this time as i prepared Because I know everything we struggle to do in our marriages, every marriage wants to be good. No man marries a woman and no woman marries a man to destroy each other. You marry each other because you love each other. But as time goes on, things happen and, and things are said and things are done that causes the marriage to start having problems. So if we yield in our marriages to the power of the Holy Spirit, And really allow the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide us. Things that have become hard, that that were hard, will really become easy. Will really become easy for us. So this morning, before I go into the main main message, the meat, I want to just kind of lay some foundational laws. That if we really understand that, everything else I believe will be a whole lot easier. What is a law? A law is simply an established principle of God. It's, a, it's a, a principle in the Word of God that God has put in place that will work for anyone who gets involved in that law. In Romans 8, 1-2, the Bible says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So here, we are seeing two laws God is talking about. There's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and then there's the law of, the, of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life in Christ, that's the law that produces life. It produces the life cycle. And the second one the law of sin and death produces the death cycle both of these laws can be activated only by the words that we speak these laws are activated by the words that we speak if you in your home or in your relationship speak the right words you will get a good harvest and you will get the spirit of life in christ jesus but if the words that you speak are words of death you will get the other law which is the law of sin and death proverbs 18 says death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits so we learn here that the words that we are using in our homes are so crucial And so we cannot, having learned that your your words can bring a cycle of life or your words can bring a cycle of death, knowing how important that is, we therefore cannot, cannot continue to ignore the words that we use in our homes, the words that the husband uses for the wife, the words that the wife speaks to her husband, the words that we speak to our children, because let it be known, That the harvest you get in your home, if it's the harvest of death, it's because of the words that have been spoken in the home. And if it's the harvest of life, it is also because of the words that have been spoken in the home. Now, words are spoken because of a perception that we have. When you see things in a certain way, you say what you think you see. Perception is what causes us to speak Words. And perceptions can be right and perceptions can be wrong. So if you want to speak the right words, then you have to have the right perception on the situation that is on on hand. So perception is crucial because if your perception can be right, if you can see things through the right lenses, you will speak the right words. For example, if your husband loses his job or if your wife loses her job, And you're used to having certain things. And you don't have that thing right away. You don't have it anymore. What you see is the lack. And you can say words that will cut that man or that woman down. That when you go back and you say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I tell you, it's not an eraser. I'm sorry does not erase some things. And so when you go and you say some words. And you cut that person down. And you've done damage to their heart or to their soul. It's because you didn't have the right perception. If you had the right perception, you will understand that this is just a season we are going through. And this is the time for me to build my husband or my wife up, encourage him or her, and pray together because the enemy is attacking us as a family. And it's not me and against you. It's him against us. And so when you have that perception, it changes everything. And you cannot fight together as one to get over that hump, for God to bless you, amen? So perception is crucial in the way we see things in our marriage and with our children. So the key then is for God to give us new lenses, for God to sew, you know, give us new glasses, if you want to put it that way, so that we can see clearly. Because once we see clearly, we'll be able to speak clearly, amen? So let's look at Matthew. I'm going to now bring out a story here, that really, really will give us some, some um, truths about perception. In Matthew 13, verses 13 through 14, Jesus here is saying, therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand. And seeing you will see and shall not perceive. And shall not perceive. So the problem is perception. Let's go to Matthew 8, to 25. This is actually the story I want to bring some truths out of. Matthew 18, 22 to 25. Then he, Jesus, came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch the blind man. So he took the man by the hand and led him out of town. Very crucial that he brought the man to him and the man allowed himself to be brought to Jesus so Jesus would touch him. So Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. And when he had spit in his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again a second time and made him look up, and he was restored and he saw everything clearly. Now, this is one of the healing scriptures in the Bible, this and the healing of the lepers, that the healing was not done instantaneously. Almost every healing we see in the Bible is Jesus laid their hand, his hands on them and they were healed. But in this particular case, it was a process that it took for the man to get his healing done. There are some things in our lives, in our marriages, our relationship with our children, our husband, our parents, our friends, that sometimes the healing is going to take a process. And we're believing that some things that you've heard or some things you've learned during these times, we help that healing process to start. Amen? We help you now that you see things differently. You will start doing things differently that they can say, okay, the perception of this person has changed. The way this person talks is changed. And so the healing that you need, that you require, that you're desiring for God to do will begin to take place. Now, in this story, we see some few things here that I want to to bring out. The first thing was the man, the blind man, he, he was not in denial. He was not in denial about his blindness. He allowed his friends to take him to Jesus. Sometimes when we don't see things clearly in our marriages, and you have people that are telling you or talking to you and say, you know what, it's not a good thing you're doing. The way you talk to your husband is it's not really good. Or the way you treat your wife is not really good. You really need to repent. It's a good person that allows those words to go into them, And lead them to Jesus. This blind man, he wasn't in denial. He knew he was blind. And he allowed his friends to take him to Jesus. So the fact that he was not in denial was a great thing. Because he went to Jesus for a touch to heal his blindness. Now the thing again that you notice that when they brought him to Jesus, Jesus didn't do the healing in front of everybody. Jesus took him away from everybody and had a one-to-one encounter with him. And that's what he normally does with us. In every area we struggle, when Christ wants to deal with us and heal us in our areas of struggle, it's usually a one to one thing. But you have to be open to tell him and be willing to open up and let him know the area you're struggling. If you're one that gets angry very quickly, and when you're angry you say things, you need to let him know. When he goes, when you go to him one to one. Open up and let him know, this is the area that I'm struggling. Touch me and and heal me. And this man was willing to do that. When Jesus took him away, they had a one-on-one encounter. Because at the end of the day, really, it's between you and God. It's not between you and any other person. Because if God heals you and if God restores your vision, everybody around you will know. But it's a work that he has to do in you. And when you are there with him, it's about you. We are so quick when we are telling God stuff. It's about God, this is what my husband is doing. This is what my wife is doing. This is what my this is doing. No, it's you. Let him change you because when he changes you, the change you want will happen. Don't talk to him then about your spouse and about your children who are not doing right. When he takes you that one-to-one, talk to him about you. Now, the third thing was the test question. This is where sometimes we all fail. Because when he's laid his hands on you and he's touched you the first time, he's going to ask you, what are you seeing now? What do you see now? And the way we answer, whether make him give us that second touch we desire, or things remain the way they are. Self-examination is key. And truth, honesty is key. If, when, if you are one-on-one with Jesus and you still get up from there and things don't still... You're still not seeing clearly. You still have the anger. You still have the problem with overspending. You still have the anger of just doing things that just really hurt people. You need to go back and say, Lord, I, I'm, I'm, I don't have it correct yet. I don't, I'm not dead just yet. Touch me a second time. Because he's willing to do it. He's really willing to make you to see things clearly. But you have to be honest with Jesus when he tells you, what do you see? how do you see your marriage now? And that touch between the first touch and the second touch might not be that right moment. He might touch you a first time and maybe another two, three weeks before the second encounter. You have to be willing to be honest with Jesus because honesty is what is needed for a complete work to be done. If you always think it's somebody else's fault, is always somebody else that's doing this to me and doing that to me. You will never get to where you want to be in your marriage relationship, in your relationship with your children or with your, with your, your, your siblings or with your whoever at your place of work. It's already, You always have to go with what can I bring in? What is my own portion? What am I doing that's making this relationship not be exactly what God desires? Amen? So the second touch will only happen when we are sincere, sincere with God. Amen? Now, we have to realize that every marriage has its seasons. For those that are newly married, and for those that are older, and we're going to be 25 in January, marriage has its seasons. And when you're going through a certain season, if you find somebody who has been there and talk to them, they will let you know, that the first four years, if you don't kill each other, you will make it, you know? Yes, that's just the truth. The very first four years of marriage are the hardest because what's happening is you're getting used to somebody else, another human being. You're trying to adjust to them. They're trying to adjust to you. Things you like to do might not be what they like. You have to now kind of find a common ground. So those four years are very, very, very difficult. And most people are that in those four years, if you're not careful, you jump out. But it's just normal that you're just adjusting to each other. And then after that, when the children start coming, there's a time where you kind of feel neglect in the family. The men, you have to understand that a woman, when a woman starts having children, we might be told that the man is number one. But really, when a woman has children, that period, all she wants to do is to pour into her children take care of her children, and she's trying to find the balance of what to, how to take care of my husband and also take care of my children. And it takes a man being able to see correctly, having the right perception to understand that and not feel jealous or being competition or angry when the wife is taking care of the children. And then you get to the stage where the children are out of the home. They're not in school. Now, there's another adjustment you have to make when you get to that level because here you are being, you know, you are, you're used to cooking for like how many kids in the home and now you're still cooking with those big pots and it's just really you and your husband and then if you're not careful, you're wasting food and, you know, wasting money because you're so used to the way you've been doing it when the children. That's another adjustment level. You are used to having the house a mess, the room's a mess, and you now come everywhere it's just clean and the boys' rooms are clean and you're wondering, okay, what, what do I do now? So every marriage stage, every stage that you go through, uh, there are adjustments that one has to make. And then there are seasons where some one of the couples might be sick. And another kind of adjustment so the thing is really for us to pray for the right perception that so that in every stage of our marriage if you are not seeing things correctly you go to god and ask god to help you because to be honest understanding a couple that understands each other and extends the understanding to the other spouse have a happy marriage that's just the key it's about understanding and that's why the bible says in all you're getting get understanding amen all right now seasons of life i kind of talked about that where we have to have the the right perception loss of a job new job um, major sickness in the family death of a child can be very catastrophic and marriages good luck and i we've known a couple of marriages that just completely went crazy when a child died because they just did not know How to handle it. The perception went out the window and things were said and things were done. Things happen in life. Life happens. And the perception you have and the way you allow the Lord to lead you through the different struggles and the different trials in your marriage is very crucial. Always go to Him. Always go to Him to give you new lenses. Always go to Him to give you new perception. A good marriage without understanding. There's no good marriage without understanding. Amen? Now, one other thing I want to talk about is dealing with past mistakes and failures. This one is very... This is what leads a lot to, to divorce because somebody's uh, done something and the trust is been betrayed and um, and uh, the trust is broken and somebody is really hurt. Now, in this case, when that happens... The first thing is, as Christians, as hard as it is, we have to remember that we've been forgiven. We've been forgiven, and God expects us to to extend forgiveness to whoever it is that has hurt us. Now, it's very difficult when it has to do with somebody having an affair. It's very difficult, I know. But you have to go to God. I mean, God has agreed that when somebody has an affair, you can leave that person But that's if you want to. However, there are a lot of marriages that can walk through that. When you have children involved, you can walk through that. And the way to walk through that is for the spouse that was offended or that was hurt to tell the other one, okay, this is what I want you to do. To build back into my love bank and give him things you want him to do and for if he's a man that did that for a woman really that's the time for you to get a new husband because that's when because he wants to stay that's the truth because he wants to stay that's the time for you to say okay number one i want you to be in church with me every uh, wednesday and every sunday number two i want you to do this number three i want you to tell me you love me five times a day Number three, I want us to read this book together. And while you are teach, you are going to be washing and cleaning the dog every four days from now on, you know. But really, though, that's really the time, if we have the right perception, because the truth be told, when you're hurt and that trust is betrayed, right at that minute, you just want to pack it up and go. But because you've spent so much, this is someone you love. And because you've had this history with this person, When you really sit down at the end of the day you don't want to leave that person and so you have to walk through the hurt you have to walk through the betrayal and the way to do that for a woman is to give the man things because he like that's what he would do he would do the things you've asked him and would pray and the holy spirit that's why i said the holy spirit has to be figured in all of this because the holy spirit is what you will need to make things go fast and to make things really work out well now men if it's the other way around men usually get over things quicker than women that's just the truth men usually get over if that's They want to stay together. Usually he will walk through it. He will just ashes and sackcloth, but he will get over it much, much more quicker than a woman will be. So when you have that happen, for the woman, don't play with pain for too long. Don't play with pain for too long and don't develop a spirit of revenge. Let the Holy Spirit do a work in you. And from some of the women, from some of the people I've talked to or that's not in this church that I've known that that happened to, what they tell you is that at one time, something happened that broke it. It was either a song or it was at church or it was something somebody said, and that thing just broke, and they just cried, and the burden was lifted. However, when that is done, instead of them to go to the man and say, okay, I forgive you. It's all over. Let's start all over again. They want to hold on to the pain, and they want the man to pay. They want to, you know, to to revenge. And when you do that, bitterness comes in. The spirit of revenge comes in, and it's going to destroy everything. So if you've gotten to the point of, release of God releasing you and healing your heart let it go and move on amen now I said I was going to talk to the singles I want to make sure I talk to the singles today also now we have in this church here we have a lot of singles we have those that have that are singles because they were divorced and we have those that are singles because they've never been married and we have those that are singles because of a death of a spouse now, a lot of you, I know, want to get married again. So what I want to tell you is you must observe, and especially if you've been through a divorce before, you must observe anyone you're interested in, any potential mate. you must observe them carefully before even going to approach them to tell them you're interested in them. And you have to spend time to pray and ask God to direct you, Really. And I'll just say it, okay? Go check out where they are coming from, okay? Check out their past. Check out their siblings. Check out their parents if their parents are still alive. Check out how they treat their mother, okay? Check out how they treat their mother. I can tell you now, the way a, a man treats his mother is the way he's going to treat you. That's just the truth. So there are some things you need to check out. That love and all that feeling thing, put that aside first and really do some good homework because if you, you know, the the, the tendency is if if, if you've been divorced before and you don't do it right, it will still lead to another divorce. So take your time and do your homework properly. Now, the second thing is, If you're broken, if your previous divorce or maybe the death of of your of your spouse really broke you, please heal first before you go into another relationship. That is, if you don't hear anything else today, hear me. Because if you don't do that, you're going to go ahead and break somebody else. Because brokenness is a spirit that has to be taken care of. You have to make sure you're completely healed. This idea of I'm looking for, you know, the better half of me, not two half people come together to make a whole marriage. It's two whole people that come together to make a whole marriage. Until you are whole, and whole, believe me, means holy. People think when you're whole, what does it mean to be whole? It just means holy. Wholeness means holiness. That means for you to become whole, you have to be sold out to the things of God. You have to be very active in the work of the ministry. You have to just be sold everything about your focus. It's not even a man or a woman right now. It's about the things of God. And when you're doing that, when you become whole, where there's no hole in your heart, you're ready to get married. If you still think of your ex or your late husband and it still just brings all those feelings you need to get that's not that's not the time to get married because what's going to happen is you're going to get married and make that person suffer for what he or she didn't do that's what's going to happen and then this one is very important don't let anyone tell you this is the person that you look good with you look so good with that person that's who your husband or your wife is let me tell you my story I, i told you know my husband knows about it when I was... Once at the time. i have just two more, two more points and I'll be done, okay? <laughs> two more points. When I was back, when I was young, I was 23, I think, 23, 24. Very active in church. I've always been very active in church. And we had this church, Christ Chapel, it was called. It was the church for all the young people, all those, you know, that work in, that had good jobs. That's the church they all went to. And so, Pastor had the habit of telling people, okay, I think him, I think he'll be the best guy for you, you know, that, that guy looks really, you know, like the one that just fits, you know, so me, I'm doing my thing, I was a counselor then, counseling some people, part of those that cleaned the sanctuary and everything, and pastor called me, and usually when he calls me into the office, you know what it is, he wants to tell you, there's somebody that he thinks you should, you know, but, um, So he called me and told me this guy's name. He said, "Do you know him?" I'm like, "I don't know." Sure. I said, "Well, on Sunday I'm going to make sure I just introduce both of you." I said, "Okay." So he did that, and the following week called me. Said, "What do you think?" I was like, "He said because I think I really think he's the one that's supposed to be your husband." I've been praying about it, and I was like, "Oh God!" And when a pastor tells you that, you know he's a man of God. You respect his authority. You know he hears from God, and he tells you God told him that this is who you're supposed to marry, your mind says, okay, you should, but your heart is telling, for me, for me, some people got married and are doing great, you know, but for me, my head is saying, okay, this is my pastor, I need to obey him, I need to, you know, he hears from God, but my heart is saying, "Mm -mm." (laughs) mm-mm. Mm-mm, mm-mm. and and the good thing was he, he he won't push it though he won't even say anything to the guy really until you the girl says okay you know and he called me a second time he's like okay this that that i was like oh god i fear because of the fear and respect i have for him i said okay let me fast and pray about this i really need to be sure you know he could tell i was you know so i went on a fast for a whole week i went on a fast and i was like god if you know at least i want to be attracted to the person i want to marry and i want to like him you know physical attributes right lord and he said yes so god said okay get a piece of paper he said and i did said okay write everything you want about your husband and i started writing and how i want him to be spiritual how i want him to be a prayerful man I want him to be the head of the home. I want to feel covered. I want to be, feel like I'm protected and covered. I want to. Do, I wrote all of that, and he said, "And." I was like, "And?" He said, "Yeah, and." and I'm like, it, he says, "And." I said, "You mean physical?" He says, "Yeah." I was like, "Okay." So I started writing some things that I wanted physically. You know, this guy had this knock knees. I didn't want a man with knock knees. <laughs> So, (laughs) no, but believe me, there might be another woman. That's her thing. She wants knock knees, you know. I didn't want a man with knock knees, you know. I wanted a man that had my husband's kind of, you know. (laughs) You know, I kind of told God, and I just said, God, this is my order. This is what I want, you know. This is what I want. And believe me, everything I ordered is what I got. You know? Everything I ordered. I never wanted to, some people were like, wanted to marry somebody who's a year or two older than them. I was like, no, I know me, I'm so stubborn. I want somebody who is much older than I am. <laughs> who, you know, no matter what I do, he's just like, oh that's just my baby and uh, so you know i wrote so many things i was like oh and when i did i had a piece a piece i was like you know what god will not give you what you don't want so don't let somebody tell you she's supposed to be your wife or he's supposed to be your husband that's not god can speak to you about the person you're going to live with for the rest of your life amen And then lastly, before I oh, it's 12 o'clock, one thing. Marriage is not the cure for loneliness, single people. If you think, oh, I'm so lonely, I want a husband, I want a wife, that's a spirit you must deal with on your own while you're single before you get married. Loneliness is a spirit. Jesus himself said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. He's with you all the time. Enjoy yourself while you're married. I'm telling you, some married people are so lonely, they wish they could be single. Because marriage does, yes, marriage does not cure loneliness. Loneliness is cured when you can be in the presence of the Lord for hours and just enjoy yourself, take yourself out to dinner, take yourself out to the movies and enjoy that. And so when a man comes in, he just comes in and feeds into your wholeness into everything God has already done in your life. Amen? Much to say, but I give up at this time. Pastor?